0: ladies and gentlemen to episode 229 of the throwdown thursday podcast i am your host patrick ray but you can call me patsy the angry nerd uh we are broadcasting here from the pat cave deep within magenta manor and uh i just want you to know that we are part of the dork network and as such we are brought to you by deadly grounds coffee once you go deadly you don't go back i guess um
1: you guess I, I was <laughs> trying
0: to come up with something that rhymes with deadly but like you know the only th- word that came up was like medley it's like once you go deadly you'll purchase a medley i don't know <laughs> just don't don't
1: don't quit your day job yeah
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> well as you can tell i am joined by my co-host on the show and my co-host in life she is the baroness of bordeaux the countess of chardonnay cabernet yeah, cabernet yeah she's uh, the Charlemagne of Chardonnay, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> the Mistress of Merlot, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Queen of the Monsters, the Michael Phelps of Wine, and an Honorary Lizzie, ladies and gentlemen. It is Ashes von Nightmare.
1: Don't forget to wear your shoes, ladies, because there is glass everywhere.
0: Oh yeah, glass ceiling shattered. And love I'm, it. Still seeing people trying to bring up like, yeah, well, you know, this is what happened when she was a D.A. And this is what it's like. Yeah. You know what? I don't care. Politics, you know,
1: politics aside, this is huge. Yeah, this is it's it's story in the making. It is is monumental. monumental. Like I have been ugly crying for. Ever, ever since I heard the results, you know it's it's big. It, It means something, and you can agree with her politics. You can disagree with her politics. The fact that she is the first female vice president of this country, the first black vice president of this country, the first Indian vice president of this country, the first biracial biracial, like she's just checking off so many boxes and it's, it's fantastic, it's going to give all of these little girls something to look up to and as someone who was told as a young child that I couldn't be a president because that was a man's job the fact that all of these little girls are going to have somebody to look up to to see themselves, be like hey she is a woman, she looks like me and she's in the White House I can do that too that's exactly.
0: huge. And uh, speaking of uh, breaking the glass ceiling, one of the most difficult things to, uh, to do is getting into the uh, art and entertainment industry, and we have a very talented young lady on with us today. Um, she is the writer-director uh, of the short film Junkie, which is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, our guest, Alyssa Botello. I hope I pronounced that right.
2: Yes, you did. Okay,
0: because yes, I didn't did. ask prior. We talked for 15 minutes before the show started, <laughs> I and know. I didn't make sure to ask that I that I pronounced your name correctly. So that was that was a good use of my time.
2: <laughs> the last name can be tricky. Some people call it Bothello. I've heard Bohello. You know, it can go a lot of different ways, but Batello.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, so I'm glad I got that right. And um, we actually met you back in February 14 years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In, in February 2020. And yep. we got a chance to see your film for the first time. And we recently rewatched it actually about an hour ago. um, And we were very impressed with how well this film was made. And we're going to get more into that after. But I just want to impress upon people how good of a film this was.
1: I had a really hard time with the fact that you are still in school, you are still in college, and this is your first film, like <laughs> it's so impressive. And like Patrick said, we'll talk yeah. about that a little a little later. Um, but I just and and upon rewatching it, I was still so. Imp- like, I was even more impressed, you know, than the first time I had watched it, you know, just kind of looking at little details and, you know, picking up little things with some of the shots and the way certain things were, were set up. I was just, it was just completely blown away. It's like, how is she still a student? But at the same time, it's so fantastic because you have a lot of, pro- you have a very promising future ahead of you. Let me just say that.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much. That means so much to me.
0: So we are gonna ask you uh, our series of getting into character questions and um if folks are unfamiliar if this is your first episode listening, uh what we like to do whenever someone is a first time guest on the show, we ask them getting into character questions that may or may not have anything to do with uh you know, what St- our anything. guest happens to be on here for. <laughs> um although sometimes there you know, there's a slight tangential uh connection. My cat is being weird right now. She's gotten into hiding under a table next to the wine fridge and then, like, (laughs) kicking stuff. Oh, no. Well, I mean, I'd rather have her do that than, like, keep continually jumping up on my chest and ripping my shirt. She put a hole in my Green Lantern shirt earlier today, so.
1: Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, uh, Small uh, sacrifice. I my, almost I mean, said sacrifice. My, my sacrifice to the cat gods.
0: My Green Lantern <laughs> shirt that I spent three dollars and forty eight cents on.
2: Yeah. Like, gonna yeah. get another one. Just gonna yeah. get another one.
0: <laughs> so the first question I have, because we talked a little bit about uh, special effects off the air, um, who would be either films or uh, practical practical effects artists who would be on your practical effects Mount Rushmore? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a good
2: question. Um, well, I'd have to say, just because I was a huge fan, and we talked about this before, but just because I was a huge fan of The Walking Dead, that Greg Nicotero always blew my mind. Like, mm-hmm. he's just so good. He's so good and so creative. And I was so much into his work that I watched, um, I think he directed the webisodes, like those spin-off webisodes of Walking Dead. And he was directing them, and he was so into the makeup that I would just, like, pick apart every little, like, you know, every little character he would do and all the the makeup there. And, oh, yeah, he's amazing. He's so amazing.
0: I did just, uh, when we were talking off off air, I had said that he was uh, a part of the thing. And now that my memory is starting to jog, it wasn't the thing. It was another movie I watched uh, earlier, and it was uh, Dawn of the Dead. Okay, In which oh, that makes sense, Yeah, he, he acted as well, but he was...
2: He acted too? Well, I mean, he
0: was, like, you know, part of, like, a group.
2: Okay, okay. Yeah, I think I remember that now, now that you say that. I'm so, pretty sure I remember the that.
0: It might have been Day of the Dead. It's one of those, one of those. Yeah. But he was credited as Gregory Nicotero, like, shortened it, you know, dropped off a couple of syllables. Uh, later later on in life.
2: Oh, See, that's awesome. So cool. I love that. But yeah, I honestly, I don't know too much about special effects and that kind of stuff. I just know that Greg Nicotero is awesome at what he does. I respect that so much because it just seems to be so difficult.
0: I would also imagine that um, you are significantly younger than uh, Ashes and myself, so you haven't been exposed to as much... Um, as we have, you know, so somebody like uh, Rick Baker, who did a lot of movies in the 80s, you know, uh, he did the Thriller video, Harry and the Hendersons, Gremlin, stuff like that. Uh, wow. Or Rob Botton who worked on the thing. Stan Winston is another guy that comes to mind. V. Neal. V. Neal.
1: Who was responsible for Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh! Um,
0: so basically anybody that was on... Uh, what was that that FX that special effects makeup show that Oh, they did? Face Off. Face Off.
1: Face Off on Sci-Fi. That's a fantastic show.
0: Cuz it was, yeah. was, was the other one that was on there? The other gentleman?
1: Oh my god. Glenn Hetrix?
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah, the guy he looked like uh like Crazy Dave Navarro.
1: Yeah, he kind of looked like if like uh like Nikki Six and Dave Navarro had a had a love child. Yes. Who was into special effects gore makeup yeah but but yeah so uh,
0: yeah so i i definitely recommend checking out because um rob botten had one of the greatest uh werewolf transformations in the howling but it always gets overlooked because of american werewolf which again was rick baker which is how because John Landis directed the Thriller video and he directed American Werewolf Mm -hmm. and Michael Jackson was like, hey, this is kind of what I'm going for, for Thriller. So Ashes, what is your question?
1: So I would like to know, what was one of your
2: favorite cartoons growing up? Oh, okay. I know immediately, as soon as you asked that. Avatar, The Last Airbender. Okay. Okay. Oh, so good. So good. I mean, like, when I was really young, I would have said Spongebob, you know, most... most you my were,
1: I was watching Spongebob in college. <laughs>
2: oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> we're still working our way through the series.
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Spongebob's amazing. I feel like that... Spongebob is the reason why my generation's sense of humor is the way that it is oh i I absolutely agree with that um i think spongebob came out when
1: i was he came out when i was in high school and it gained intense popularity when i was in college so i had the spongebob bedspread i had like spongebob like string lights i I do still have a bunch of spongebob stuff but like my my room was all spongebob i had a fish tank that was bikini bottom
0: that's so with cool. In
1: it. Yeah, I was the I was the SpongeBob girl, but I agree with you on on that. Uh, the sense of humor that is laced in those episodes of SpongeBob. There's like the cute, bubbly humor that's on top, and then as you really delve into some of these episodes, <laughs> there's the really like.
0: The darker dark stuff. kind of
1: off-putting humor and then there's the really uh yeah. potentially inappropriate crude humor that you would have to know what they're talking about in order to pick up on it
0: i mean that's that's generally but, uh, let me
1: uh, that's that's a lot of of
0: i'm gonna say that's disney that's, yeah yeah. The,
1: yeah the the little things that they put in to keep the parents entertained while the kids watch so that's yeah it's kind of like yeah.
0: you know we we watched the animaniacs when we were kids and You know, they had that one thing where it was like, oh, we're going to have to dust for prints. And then Dot comes out carrying prints. And they're like, no, 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 fingerprints. And she's like, I don't think so. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, no, let's.
1: An avatar I never got into. I do actually, I think I have the first season. That okay. someone had gifted me as like uh you should probably watch this at some point. So why yeah. would somebody Okay so so pitch it to me? Why should I watch Avatar the Last Airbender?
2: Okay, you absolutely need, need to watch Avatar the Last Airbender because every single aspect of the show is just a complete work of art. It's together, it's just it's a complete masterpiece. The writing is some of the best writing you will ever ever um see like on tv or movies and it's just it's crazy that it's a kid's show because i swear it's like for people of all ages it's just it's so amazing and it starts off in the in the first part of the show in like the first like five or ten episodes it's very kid-like and you're like okay this is kind of a kid's show but then as it goes on things get more serious and it's just, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Every episode is just so well planned and executed. And it's it's one of those that it's so rewatchable that if you finish the whole thing and you ro- watch it through again, you're going to catch things that you never saw before. And it's just, oh, it's so beautiful. It's amazing. So
0: that's right. one that I hadn't checked yeah. out, but I'll, have, all to get I out. Know I'll is have to that give it a watch. M. Night Shyamalan just oh. ruined it.
2: We don't speak of that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, no. So you are uh, a filmmaker, uh, you're a writer, a director. Is there a film that given the opportunity, you know, maybe it's something from your childhood or maybe something that you looked at and you're like, you know what, I could do this better. Is there a film that you would like to rewrite and direct yourself and kind of put your own spin on it?
2: Oh, that's a really good question. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, I all right. So if I had to do that, I am the biggest Lord of the Rings fan. Like I love Lord of the Rings, but I know that I could not do a better job with that series. But I would say that The Hobbit didn't really live up to what it could have been. So I would like to redo The Hobbit. I would do okay. the, the Hobbit.
0: Have yeah. you ever Have you ever seen the uh, the animated version?
2: No, I haven't.
0: No, it's very interesting. Gollum looks kind of like a frog fish, <laughs> uh, but it's it was it came out I think in the '60s or '70s. Rankin Bass is who did it. Um, oh, okay. and it's really really well done. There's you know it's uh, they did the Hobbit and then they did the uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, and it's really uh, it's the Hobbits look. Like you know, you would imagine hobbits to be like, as opposed to people pretending to be hobbits. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely check it out if you're if you're a fan. I uh, I would recommend it.
2: Yeah, I will, I definitely will. Ugh, I just love the whole, you know, Tolkien's whole universe, of Lord of the Rings. It's amazing.
0: And especially with this, it's got that classic um, scary animation. Where it's like, yeah, this is a kid's movie, but it's like the dragons are terrifying. Kind of like Don Bluth animation, you know, where it's like all the monsters are really scary. And it's like, oh, I maybe shouldn't have watched this at four, <laughs> but <laughs> this is what was coming out when I was four. Ashes, what do you got?
1: So, what are three films that have helped shape who you are? like three films that have had an oh, impact goodness. on you that have helped okay. you shape your, your um, personality.
2: Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so good. Um, I have to say, can I cheat and look at my letterboxd account? Go ahead. Please <laughs> do. <laughs> okay. So first, definitely I'd have to say Lord of the Rings, because that's what kind of made me realize how, Magical movies can be, and just the whole almost underdog story of you know someone so small and so powerless can make such a big difference. Um, and it's like you know the only the only one who can do what he did. I just think that was so powerful for me, and especially you know growing up, I kind of always had an idea of what I wanted to do. I always knew that I wanted to write and direct, and um, you know. I would kind of start to tell people and I got a lot of doubt and a lot of people in this area, especially like filmmaking isn't really seen as a real career. So I would say like, oh yeah, that's this is what I want to do. And people would say, okay, that's nice. Um, She's going to grow out of that. You know, (laughs) she'll like wake up and realize it's not real. And then especially as, you know, a woman too, like I would always look up, you know, like famous directors and I would, read all about them. And I started to realize, Oh, these are all men. Like where are the girls? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So for me, I think that's kind of what I took from Lord of the Rings. And so I think that was like super, super important for me to watch at the young age that I did.
0: So just Lord of the Rings, any other one?
2: I'm looking right now. Okay, (laughs) I'm refreshing. (laughs) Um, Hmm. I actually
1: just watched The Lord of the Rings, the entire tri- trilogy, for the first extended time. extended cut. Yeah, the extended cut um, for the first time uh, at the beginning of quarantine.
0: Yeah, around my birthday.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was my birthday present to that's you. What,
0: that's what we did for my birthday because we couldn't do anything else.
1: So <laughs> I watched all three films in a weekend. It was uh, quite an undertaking especially cuz that one oh, film yeah. was like four... the extended cut was like yeah, four, 4 hours. Yeah, they're 4 hours each. It was it was it give but, or you take. know I I really enjoyed them. I I kind of glad that I watched them now because I don't think that I would have watching them with the eyes that I have now. I watch films different mm-hmm. than I used to. So if I had watched them when they first came out, you know, back when I was in high school 2001, you know, early college years I wouldn't have enjoyed them as much and listening to people you know say how much they love these films and how you know much of an impact that these films have had on them and not only are there some great characters but it's really like the whole story is just so well done Mm -hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to watch them. I don't know if I'll re I, I, I will definitely revisit the films. I don't know if I'll revisit the extended cut anytime soon, just it because that a was lot a lot. Out of it,
0: <laughs> I will say though, without without that you would have no you'd have no Game of Thrones.
1: No, that's true. And I fell in love with Samwise. He's, and he's,
0: yeah. everybody needs a Sam.
2: Everybody needs a Sam. It's true. It's very true. <laughs> All right. So I got my other ones. Okay. Um, yeah. My other two have to be The Truman Show and A Ghost Story.
0: Okay. I don't think I'm familiar with A Ghost Story.
2: Okay. So that one is um, definitely not like very popular, but I actually had to watch this in one of my film theory classes at URI. Um, and it's directed by David Lowery. It has Casey Affleck and um, it's basically about a man who dies, but his spirit is still contained within the house that his uh, the wife that he left behind is in. So he can see her going about her daily stuff, but he can't like, you know, reach out to her really because he's you know just a ghost. So that one is definitely a huge one for me. Interesting. Yeah. Rooney Mara too. She's um oh, she's... you like Rooney Mara. I love Rooney Mara. I think she's fantastic. Yeah, she's so good.
0: Named after Art Rooney and Wellington Mara. <laughs> Everybody's looking at me like I don't know who they No, is.
1: I know oh, I the uh, owner uh, of the Giants. Steelers and Giants. Yes.
0: Yes. Has a degree in psychology. So your uh, your final question uh, will be: When writing, what are some of the the things that you've read that kind of have an influence on your writing? And while you're writing, is there something that uh, helps you get into a specific mindset? Like, you know, do you listen to specific music? Do you listen? Do you have like a movie on? Do you have? Do you do
1: you like candles to create ambiance or?
2: Mm, yeah that's a good question too um yeah in terms of uh what has influenced me what i've read um i think it was like just a bunch of random things that i read through school um i really liked edgar Allan poe Mm -hmm. um but it's interesting because i don't really write horror type things often i'm only just starting to get into that but just the way he wrote the feelings that he gave you as you would read, like there's the one, um, it's like the heartbeat in the
0: floor. The telltale heart.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just the, I, I love how you can just read something. It's just words. You're reading it, but then you can literally just feel the tension. Like you're the person that's like describing what's happening. I love that so much. Um, so yeah, he definitely, influence me. And then for what I like to do to get in a good writing mood is um, I usually like to write outside. So I I live right up from the beach. So I'll uh, walk down to the beach with my laptop and just start writing. And that's usually when I make, I do the best work there.
0: Interesting. I mean, it's, you know, it's just always interesting hearing, you know, people's different uh, ways of writing. I think the most for me, the most productive I ever was is I was up for 46 straight hours and I watched the first two seasons of Lost and put out 250 pages of a manuscript. What? <laughs> I would just watch can... the, over it, like, every episode. Just, every, just switch the DVD and then just move on to the next thing, like... Oh. <sighs>
1: That's incredible <laughs> we, not recommended
0: no and no like it wasn't like I you know I didn't have any illicit substances it was mountain dew like that was <laughs> it but just like, mountain dew <laughs> I just I got mountain dew and JJ Abrams <laughs> yeah JJ no. Abrams the hell of a drug <laughs> but I just I just got in the zone and like before I knew it I was like I don't have any I finished two seasons? What day is it? Like, oh, it's Tuesday. Like, how is it Tuesday? I started on Sunday. Yeah.
2: That's a real fun fact. Like, if you go to a party, you should lead with that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but no one would believe. Well, I mean, if I were to say I did that now, no one would believe it. It's like, this was 2006. So this is 14 years ago. I was in my mid-20s. So yeah, that's believable. <laughs> I had a lot more energy then. I wasn't uh nearly as tired all the time. But uh <laughs> Alyssa, you have uh you have done well in the uh getting into character questions. This has been a, a fun start to the show. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break and uh, when we come back we are gonna discuss all things junkie and uh learn more about your uh inspiration and how you came to create this film. So We'll be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Hey there, this is JB. And if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, at talesfromthepodcast.com.
2: Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream.
0: (laughs) Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to the Throwdown Thursday podcast.
1: It's just tough to quit using.
0: not too late to start over. And we are back, and Ashes has given me a look, because that's what she does. That's just...
1: It's just my face. That's just how it is. It's just my natural face. It just naturally sticks this way.
0: So, we... Are, are discussing the film uh, which I guess came out uh, according to IMDB came out December uh, 11th of last year which is like 15 years ago <laughs> um, now is that the official uh, like when the movie was finished
2: yeah so that is when the University of Rhode Island screening was for because I made it for a production class and so that was the date of the screening. And then I went back in, made some more touch-ups and things like that. And, um, the, what you saw, the final version that was finished in January of the, this year.
0: Okay. So only 13 years ago.
2: Yeah. Only 13 years ago.
0: <laughs> and so we got to see it in, in, uh, in February. Now, how long did you work on this?
2: Yeah, so I got the idea for it in May of last year, so a thousand years ago. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got the idea for it May of last year, 2019, and then started writing it in about August um, of last year, and then um, we shot it in three days in November, so almost a full year ago, Um, and then edited it and then um yeah so it was done in january yeah
0: so the tagline for this or the the synopsis on imdb is when tragedy strikes a young man struggling with drug addiction he finds genuine inspiration to change in the most unexpected of places and i like that because it doesn't give away too much i like the fact that it uh It sums the movie up perfectly.
1: It does. And what we're going to try to do is talk about it in kind of vague terms. terms, uh, Because the reason why you're on the show today is you're promoting the release of this film. Yes. So what we want to do is kind of give some teasers. We'll talk about the, the whole process of everything without giving away the ending. So people would want to, you know... Go out and buy it.
0: Yeah, this... um, So this show is going to air on the 12th, and the DVD releases, or the Blu-ray, the physical media, what have you, releases on the 16th. Is that correct?
2: Oh, you cut out for a second.
0: Okay. The... So like I think I said, you're back. All right. This is going to air on the 12th, and the the uh, physical media will drop on the 16th, right?
2: Yeah. So, actually, um, we do have the physical media right now, but we're going to put it online on YouTube on the 16th.
0: Okay. So people are going to be able to watch it and, and see it. I, I do recommend getting the physical media, uh, especially with the way things have been going the last uh, couple of years, especially with like your Disney films and whatnot. It's always
1: nice to have the physical media anyways.
0: You know, like we saw this during uh, October, everyone like, oh, Halloween's not streaming on Netflix. It's like, oh, good thing I have like 12 different copies of it. You know.
2: Exactly, yeah. It's nice to have that physical copy.
0: Yeah. And that's probably a question we should ask, like, do you uh, do you tend to prefer the physical copies over the uh, digital media or do you like to do a bit of both?
2: I like to do a bit of both. If I really like the movie, I love to have the physical copy because it's almost it's a nice decoration in a way. Like, <laughs> look, I have this is how much I love this. <laughs> I have it physically right there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, it, it makes sense. Like there, and then if
2: you really love
1: something, you get the anniversary edition, you get the special edition, yep, you get I all of these other the, editions. Just got
0: the the forty fifth anniversary edition of Jaws, and I will have the fiftieth edition in five years. And you know that's just the way that like I have a I have three movies on VHS, Blu ray, and DVD. Like, nice. and Two of them came out within the last couple of years, so that's awesome. So. Getting into this film, when you came up with this idea, um, you know, I'm sure there was a bunch of different things that you were trying to consider, you know, that you were trying to make this short film, because uh, this is 20 minutes long, you know. So, when you were paring down your ideas, like what other ideas did you kind of uh, reject, and was it because you didn't think they'd be good subject matter, or? Was it because you don't think you could have gotten it into uh, tell the complete narrative in the time frame that you had?
2: Yeah, um, that's a great question because I remember the time that time frame when I was thinking about okay, what do I want to make for my first real production class at university? I really didn't know which direction I wanted to take that in. Um, I was considering something. Uh, kind of a story with a female lead in middle school um, just kind of like a coming of age thing but I was like and ah, I don't think I'm really equipped yet to um, direct young kids and then of course all the the um, production rules that go around having kids on set and that sort of thing so I was like ah, I'm gonna save that for later and then there was another story um, there It's my town's really cool because we have the first, um, the first, I think it's Japanese person to be in America came to my town and it's like a super cool story. It's like just begging to be on screen and to have the story shared. But again, that was, you know, it's a period piece. It's from like hundreds of years ago and, um, Yeah, it's just like, that's going to be a lot of money and resources. So I was like, yeah, I can't really do anything with that yet. I have to save that. And then I heard, um, I just heard this story, what Junkie is based on. I heard this from um, a family member and I decided like, okay, this is the one. I think I I I can do this. And I was going back and forth between, oh, who's this going to be through? Is it going to be through the family member, like through his perspective or do I want to do it? through the perspective of who it ends up being, which is the person who's struggling with drug addiction, I chose to go that route. Um, and I just thought that would be a more impactful story. So I, I chose to do that story and do it in this way.
1: What did you have to do to kind of get into the headspace for writing these characters in this scenario? Like, did you, did you do any research? Did you shadow any people? Talk to people who struggle with addiction? Like, what was your your process towards creating these characters to create this really authentic scenario that's
2: believable? Yeah, I I, I love because that was exactly what I was thinking when I did. Okay, I'm going to make this. Story. I was thinking, oh my goodness, I. Don't really know exactly what it's like to have these kinds of struggles um so I did a lot of like online research and just looking at people's stories and how it feels like I really wanted to nail how it feels to be someone that's struggling with addiction and um yeah I got some of that through online but I knew that you can't really get the full picture from just online research so I actually drew a lot from this other project that I'm working on with um some people in my area, it's called The Highway Murders, and it covers uh, something that happened in my area. I live in the New New Bedford area, and there was about 13 women who were killed and found on the side of the highway. And these women all happened to have struggles with drug addiction, and were also involved in prostitution. And so um, I'm involved in that project just as a PA and an assistant camera. And we've interviewed a lot of people who were friends with those women and just in that community. I mean, it's not a huge community, New Bedford's a small city. So we've interviewed a lot of people who um, were connected in that way. And just talking to those people firsthand about that kind of scene and how it feels to have this this struggle with drug addiction and just be tied back into this community, even if you want to get out, um, you know, it's just that pull. And that's, I, I drew a lot from talking to those people from that project um, for, you know, this, this type of thing.
0: Now, when it came to casting, because um, there is a, a wide range of, uh, of ages and, and uh, different folks from, uh, you know, as, as far as, you know, the, the cast goes. Uh, how did you go about casting? Were, you know, were they people in your class? Did you, you know, uh, do like an ad? Like, how, how did you go about doing that?
2: Yeah, casting was very, that was something that was very overwhelming to me because in the past I've always just asked friends or family who are around and want to be on camera. <laughs> so <laughs> it's been like very casual um, but for this, I knew that it had to be people with some serious acting chops so it wouldn't be cheesy. Um, so I posted, I came up with a casting call, posted it on some Facebook groups around here and then put it on um, Breakdown Express and another one. I, fr- I forgot the name of the other one, but the other platform that we ended up using was like super legit. I had to go through this um, like Mandatory phone call training and with someone in LA to even post the casting call thing on there Hmm. Um, yeah, and that was like so cool because it felt so official and then that is where we got all four of the main actors And they were all from New York City So yeah, they sent in tapes. We reviewed those tapes and I just felt like they kind of understood what we were going for And yeah, that's how it worked
0: now were there a lot of uh a lot of uh auditions that you had to kind of sift through and you you know, maybe you were weighing a couple back and forth, or were there just a couple that you were just like, nope, this is it. This is the character I want.
2: Yeah. So initially we got over a hundred applications. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh it was a
1: very stressful time i was gonna say that must be really overwhelming i mean like that would be overwhelming for me like i can't even imagine being a college student having this be your first time doing anything like this and having to sift through a hundred different people
0: i mean you just had to hire people for your lab and it wasn't remotely that many
1: no and it was still severely
2: overwhelming yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely i was very overwhelmed um was, you know a lot of people from this area and then once that that platform that i had to do the phone call training through um that was just so intense it was people from new york city and they were sending like cover letters with their little application thing that said oh this this seems like a great story um you know i'm really interested in it for x y and z reasons and yeah, it was it was very intense and it, it just felt so weird. Like I was just like forced into this. I was living this decision, like for these roles every single day. I've been um, I went to a friend's party in Boston and I didn't know anybody there. I just knew my friend. And so, you know, I'm just talking around to random people. And then all of a sudden I see someone that looks really familiar and I'm like, hey, do I know you? And they say, no. And I said, wait a second, did you send in an audition tape for a short film called Junkie? And he looked at me like I was insane. And he said, <laughs> yeah, I did. And I said, well, nice to meet you. I'm the director. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's cool. It just, it just felt like, you know, these people were everywhere and I, I didn't know how to make the decision. But yeah, eventually we narrowed it down and I had help from um, my DP. And, you know, a few others. And, yeah, we eventually nailed it, who was going to be the part.
0: No, did that, that person that you met, did they get a role in the film?
2: No, unfortunately, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. And at that time, I already kind of knew who I wanted to be in the roles. And so I was talking to them. And I was like, well, you know, best of luck with everything. I didn't tell them that they weren't going to get the part. But, Yeah.
0: <laughs> It's like, oh, well, uh, hey, have you made any decisions? I don't know. I, you know, maybe. Hey, uh, unrelated, <laughs> do you take rejection well? Uh... <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm just, you know, no no reason. Just making conversation. I don't know anyone here. Oh, look, Punch. <laughs> oh, look.
2: Ah, punch, I'm going to go get that.
0: Somebody brought a,
1: somebody,
0: somebody brought a dog. Oh, I'll be right back.
1: Yeah
2: yeah exactly
1: (laughs) so when it came to writing for your lead character and first of all the person who was cast as the lead did a fantastic job alessandro yes phenomenal job um there was a certain tone that was put into this character and the tone shifted throughout the the film. Like, how important was it to you to include that in the narrative?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, as I had said, I was so lost at first um, when I was thinking about, who do I tell this story through? And then I came to that conclusion, it should be the person who's the one struggling with drug addiction and um yeah that was that was something so tough and stressful when I was thinking about who am I going to cast for this and this man Alessandro uh Viviano he sent in a tape that just felt so honest and you know I love that he he talked more soft spoken and I just really like that because a lot of the auditions I got they were like these over boisterous types and that's fun and all but for this character i wanted him to be more of a thinker in a way like hints of just i don't know introversion and um you know at the beginning of the film he is more of that like extrovert uh he's putting on kind of a show a little bit because his best friend is very boisterous and you know extrovert and that and that sort of thing but then when you get a moment alone with him you see that he's kind of more like thoughtful and introverted and He's kind of an artist of sorts, and um, yeah, I think Alessandro, we call him Andy. Andy just did such a good job with that. I feel like he internalized what the character was supposed to be.
1: There's a there's a softness to him, like the 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 presence that he brings to this character that really makes you root for him. Like you you're really wanting him to succeed and to you know. I'm trying to say this without
2: giving too much away
1: um you want him to be better
2: yeah yeah absolutely and that's a good way of putting it
1: you know you learn so much i, I feel like um one of the struggles for short films is getting you to care about these characters in such a short amount of time to really be on these characters' side. And in this film, you know, you really need to be on Woody's side.
2: Yeah. And you do such a good job of getting us there. Yeah, well, thank you. It's it's something that, you know, as a director, as someone who wants to be a director, that is kind of my main thing is how do I get the audience, the viewer, to connect character in a way that doesn't feel forced and that's where working with the actor comes in because i heard something um a little bit ago that i always think about and i thought about it a lot when we were making Junkie. Is that you know the director and the actor are kind of working together as parents to like birth this like character you're kind of like creating this that's character a really together good analogy mm. yeah right <laughs> you're just kind of like you're kind of acting as parents and you're like okay how do we make this child that's gonna be the character on screen um and and yeah i just i love that softness that he brought and uh just felt so genuine and i really wanted the you know the viewer to root for him maybe i kind of wanted you to you yourself to go through this process where maybe in the beginning you're, you're like rolling your eyes but then at the end you really feel connected to him
1: And that's exactly what happens. Like in the beginning, you're just like, oh, I know this kid, you know, like typical. I went um, to high
0: school with him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, You know, and and you find out shortly that some people are just kind of they just kind of fall into certain situations unintentionally. Yeah. And that's kind of what happens with our lead. He just kind of seems to fall into this situation and you know when he is alone in his apartment that's when you really start to get a feel for who he is and that he's more than just this front that he's giving off and i also really liked the character of officer stewart
2: Mm. and i thought
1: that the inclusion of that character was very important to show the different sides of you know so he's obviously a police officer he's the partner to this other police officer who's just um really we'll we'll say jaded at this point Mm -hmm. yes and even though
0: he's still new
1: yeah but like that you know the the officer that he's you know accompanying you know just uh, says some rather typical things and Mm. officer stewart adds fresh eyes to the situation And says some things that, you know, just kind of remind us that kindness can come out of anywhere and a little Mm -hmm. bit of kindness can have a huge impact.
2: Yeah, 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 absolutely. That was a huge thing for me too, that I was very careful in wanting to portray accurately. So, um, you know, the person who had inspired this film, who comes from a law enforcement background, I spent a lot of time with them going over, like, okay, you know, when you were going through this, what were your thoughts? How did you approach the situation? And um, just hearing that person tell the real life story, you just get the sense that, you know, a lot of times people go through this thing called compassion fatigue. And, um, you know, a lot of nurses go through this too, a lot of nurses. And, you know, you just see like it's kind of the worst that society has to offer day in day out and you just get really jaded and, and sometimes that ends up being really bad because you are the person that needs to have kindness and, and go in with fresh eyes and um for officer stewart who is someone new on the force, um, that's kind of what he's bringing to the table is fresh eyes, and he personally believes that there is a good side to everybody, and he wants to be the one that can help bring that out in other people.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a good term is, is, is compassion fatigue because like it's, I think that's I've never heard the term before, but I think you know just in the context everybody knows exactly what you're it, talking about. It makes about.
1: sense, yes you know
0: it's it's folks that are like you know I see this every single day and like I see the worst in people every single day like nothing I do is making a difference what's the point why bother
1: right and what I love about these characters and the way that this is written is it reminds you that it's important. You may not be able to help everyone, but your kindness, your compassion can help save one person. And isn't that enough?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. that's that's really the heart of, you know, what I was trying to get at is it could it could just be a few words that you say to someone someday. And that could change their entire life. You don't know. They they could have no family. You know, they're just stranger. And as a matter of fact, on the opposite side of the aisle, someone that that person, you know, has been taught to hate, essentially. Mm-hmm. But you could change their life, and you don't know it yet.
0: Which is why I think, you know, this film is, um, you know, it's as powerful as it is, and as, you know... Uh, the, the subject matter you would expect it from someone who was you know my age you know someone who is as young as you are who made this film and it's like how have you gained the life experience or you know the the ability to you know kind of empathize with someone who's gone through this and you know like you were saying earlier like this isn't something that you've dealt with you know you you talk to people and you found out about it and I think that just uh, really lends credence to how good your storytelling ability is.
2: Oh, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And it's something that, you know, I I kind of get nervous like, oh, you know, what if, you know, I'm not as good or I'm never going to hit that mark that I want to hit. But um, I think for me, at least, what's really helped is just being friends and being in contact with a very wide variety of people and um, another thing that I didn't mention before is going through high school I was really close friends with a lot of people who had very hard drug issues and um, for me I really got to see the inside of them I got to see them in in school every day and how they presented themselves in school to the world but then you know when I would just hang out with them alone they're very different. And I just thought that was so interesting to see that, you know, for a lot of people, the way the rest of the world views them is so different from how they feel inside. And for me as a storyteller, I think the best thing has just been, you know, taking a back seat and just opening up my eyes and my ears to everything I can and just absorbing it all as a sponge.
0: And I think that, you know, that experience definitely informed uh, the, the direction of this of these characters and this film, um, yeah, because I, I really, you know, having family members who have had uh, different issues with substances, you know, and it's like you see, it, it's like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my life back on track, and I'm gonna do this, and it's like sometimes, no matter what happens, you know, it's like, oh, I'll, you know, they got married, they're gonna be fine. Oh, they had a kid, they're gonna be fine, and next thing you know, you're identifying a body at the morgue. Like it's, mm. it's, uh, it's tough to kind of capture that. But I think with this, the way you did this, um, it seems more genuine.
2: Mm. Yeah, that, that um, is a very harsh reality that, I didn't want to ignore either when making this. You know, I didn't want it to be something that was overly cheesy and overly hopeful and just totally not aligning with what is real life. But I also did want to show that, you know, hope is never something that you should give up, ever.
0: I agree. I mean, it definitely feels like there are three points of view in this film, especially with the way it ends, uh, which I I thought was a very nice touch and done really really well. So it's almost like each each segment is you know or each act is like almost a different character. Like I'm again I'm trying to be as vague as possible. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I said earlier, like the writing the tone of the character. Mm-hmm. The tone shifts from the first act to the second act to the third act. The tone from the second act to the third act are, are rather similar. But that third act tone, especially, you know, with that the interaction between Officer Stewart and Witty, you know just those 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 few words that are spoken you know um really changes the tone of everything Mm -hmm. and it just i think just kind of emphasizes the fact that even the smallest actions can have the biggest ripples
0: yeah i was gonna say it's almost like a butterfly effect where you see this affecting this affecting this affecting this and like you see how it you know just kind of uh you know, like the, the the classic a butterfly flaps its arms, uh, flaps its arms, flaps its wings <laughs> uh, yeah. in New York, you get tidal wave in Japan. Like, it's that buildup of every each, each and every action that builds up upon the last one that preceded it.
1: But I think what, uh, makes these characters so fantastic is the believability of these characters and the empathy that you brought to writing these characters and not only writing them, but directing these characters as well. You know, writing and directing really go hand in hand. And when you are both the writer and the director, it kind of gives you a leg up a little bit because, you know, the vision that you're trying to portray.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just I love writing and directing because, you know, it feels like you were with the characters from the start, from their birth, and then you can really see see them through to the end. And something that something that I uh, heard recently that really stuck with me, and I think with hindsight, I can say I was really trying to do with Junkie as well, is that um, when you're writing characters, that are so different from yourself and especially ones that are going to be labeled, um, like the villains or the anti heroes or whatever they may be, you need to in writing and directing be prepared to make their case to God when they die, why they should get into heaven.
0: And I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because every every character has their motives and their reasons for being the way that they are and doing the things that they do. And you need to not judge them, essentially. You need to kind of write with their voice and make their case, basically. Did
1: you know going into this project that you would be both the writer and the director? And if so, did you write certain things to kind of pander to this directorial vision that you were having
2: yeah yeah when I was writing I did know that I was going to direct too and um yeah I really I was really thinking about okay how am I gonna frame this and you know what do I want the audience to think like how am I gonna um work with the actors to bring this to life so when I was writing I was also thinking about directing but it's it's funny you say that because, you know, this is my first directing experience was junkie. And now it's almost been a year later. I just look back at what I did and I was like, Oh, I would do this differently and this differently. And why did I write it this way? Why didn't I do that? (laughs) And it's like, yeah, I definitely was kind of just, you know winging it i didn't i don't really know much about what directing was and what it's supposed to be so i've learned a lot since then and i'm excited to go forward and um use what i've learned to be a better director
0: and that's really the goal ultimately is to you know like i you know i look back at you know uh, i just repurposed a story for an anthology and it's like oh my god this is such garbage you know like i wrote this 13 years ago, and I'm like, oh, this is absolutely terrible. Like, how could I have thought this was good? And that just tells you that once you get to a certain point, like you're saying, like, It's a oh, symbol of growth. Yeah, I would have done this. Oh, why didn't I? It's like, well, if you didn't know about a specific technique or a lighting s- choice or, you know, whatever it happens to be. But I also look at it as, you know, this was really good for a first effort Um
1: i mean this is superb like it's phenomenal for a first effort I, I still can't wrap my head around the fact that this is your first film <laughs> like it feels like and, something you know, that a seasoned veteran would put out you know with the subject matter and the way that the the, the characters are presented and just the the, the story itself you know it, it feels like something that somebody who has lived a little more life and you know have been have been doing this for a while would would put out so it's it's fantastic like i said watching it for the first time back in february you know i was impressed and then rewatching it you know mm. i'm even more impressed because i'm picking up all uh, on some of these little nuances that i didn't pick up on uh during the, the first time watch and i'm even more impressed
0: Yeah, and definitely looking forward to see what you come up with next.
1: Yeah, you have a bright future in the Mm -hmm. film
2: industry. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. That's so kind.
0: I absolutely agree.
2: And you are are
1: graduating in May? Yes. From the the University of Rhode Island? Yes. So, I mean, do you have any other projects of yours that you are currently working on or plan to work on before graduation?
2: Yes, so um, next semester I'll be, I'm, I'm writing right now something that I'm gonna be directing next semester. And it's still in the works, so I'm not totally sure where it's gonna go, but I can say that it is going to be um, set in New England in the 17th century. And there is going to be many themes of um, witchcraft. Oh, fantastic. I it. <laughs> I'm very excited for this one. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, that, it sounds like something you should be excited about. Because um, that's the thing like with people outside of New England who try to write stories about you know, witchcraft and, and whatnot. They tend to uh not fantasize it but
1: there's some um they they tend to stretch yeah they tend to stretch the truth a little bit but massachusetts i mean obviously as you know has a very rich history as far as all of that is concerned and uh that's exciting i mean i i that's some fantastic subject matter
2: yeah absolutely i'm so excited i actually so my dp he's also my boyfriend um, but we went up to Salem a couple weeks ago and we just kind of absorbed it all, took a lot of notes, tried to put our brains back in the day and, uh, in that time period. And, oh, I'm just, I'm so excited to tell that story.
1: Well, I mean, if you're, if you're looking for any, uh, if you want to talk to any witches or anything, let me know. Cause i am one i know some so
0: yeah we we definitely it's not a uh (laughs) it's not exactly a a secretive group anymore
1: yeah no no and that's actually actually uh modern witches um it's not something that we take lightly either Mm -hmm. you know the fact that we can kind of be out and open with our witchcraft you know kind of wearing it on our shirts literally you know says like you know Practice safe hex or something like that, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's something that we definitely don't take lightly and tend to honor our, our ancestors, you know. Yeah, that is so cool, I love do. it. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited for that.
0: Yeah, and we will definitely, uh, you know, we'll have you, you back. Stay, on yeah, to, stay, to, please stay in touch. <laughs> so we can, we can talk about it. <laughs> So Ashes, have you got any uh, final questions?
1: Not a final question, just kind of like a final thing. Um, you know, just good luck with everything. Like I said, you have a lot of uh, a lot of promise. You have a very bright future ahead of you as far as the film and entertainment industry is concerned. And don't allow yourself to get discouraged. You know, and just keep keep fighting, keep fighting the good fight, and keep writing because you know what we've seen so far is really good and I, I i'm not saying that just because you're the guest on our show and we're trying to schmooze up to you like no this is your your writing is really really good and the way that you uh, especially wrote these characters to make us really care about this character mm-hmm. and i should say these characters because there's a couple of them that you really you know you really feel for it's the two
0: the two main the you two know, main so
1: um, fantastic job. I can't wait to see what you do next. Yeah. Thank I, you.
0: I think you're just going to get better. Uh, like I said, if this is what you did for your, your first, uh, the Encore presentation is just going to be that much better. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I can tell that you're not just, you know, like by the way you've been talking about it, you're not just like, oh, well, everybody said I did a good job. So I don't need to change anything in the future and I can just keep doing what I've been doing. <laughs> um, which we've seen people do in the past, and it doesn't work out well for them. So mm. the fact that you're you know yearning to get better and you're just going to um, you know is really is really awesome. And again, you know it's an inspiring thing for you know young girls that are like, oh I, this is what I want to do, you know and people keep telling me I can't, you know, and you're proof that absolutely they can.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much. That's so sweet. And yeah, I mean, I hope I can one day be a role model for girls like me who you know, are growing up and looking for someone that they can model themselves after. So thank you guys so much for the kind words.
0: So before we, uh, before we let you go, where do you like folks following you on social media? Where can they follow the film? Where can they purchase the film? Uh, cause in the end that's, uh, that's kind of what we're here for today.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, my Facebook, I try to keep it, you know, just work related, film related. So you can friend me on Facebook and I also have Instagram. It's Alyssa dot Um, and then you can just hit me a message and I'll get you a physical copy and the film will be on YouTube. Um, and that's again, under my account, Alyssa Botello and it will just be titled junkie.
0: Excellent. So we'll provide some links and whatnot. So folks can find it and, um, uh... Yeah, so I think with that, we'll, uh, we'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll let you go. And then uh, when we come back, uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap things up. So thank, thank you very you. much. Holy sidetracking, guys! The train just came off the tracks! Derailers!
1: Be sure to follow the derailers on Twitter at derailers and make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher and also on YouTube so you can catch the episode next week folks same derailment time same derailment channel well hello there neighborinos the handle's Mr. Most Days Off but my friends call me Miles and I'm the host of the Best Darn Diddly Review Show
2: hello Mr. Most Days Off <laughs> and that's my best friend Richie the WizKid, Kid the co-host of Best Darn Diddly Heidily ho there podcasterinos the Best Darn Diddly Review Show is a weekly journey through the entire Simpsons series. Hosted by us, two guys who grew up loving the Simpsons. We discuss every diddly, every doodly, and every... do. Oh! So lace up your assassin sneakers, put on your
1: skin-tight ski suit, and head down the slopes with us at Best Darn Diddly. Stupid
0: sexy Best Darn Diddly. You can catch us each and every Monday on bestdarndiddly.com. And we are back. Uh, that was a really good interview. I, I think that uh, Alyssa, as we said, has a very bright future ahead of her. Uh, again, uh, make sure you, uh, you check out the, uh, the Facebook page on Monday. And she is going to be appearing with us, uh, with Leo and myself, on uh, the Indie Creator Spotlight on Monday. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Junkie and uh, some of the stuff that we didn't ask her in this interview because I was kind of saving it for Monday as well. Man, um, I think we got a lot of good content from her so far. Um, but, you know, we're going to get, you know, we didn't want to do everything in one interview, kind of split it up, you know. It's nice to, you know, to, to, to have something new to talk about. You know. You know. You yeah. know you know you know you know what i'm saying do you know what i am saying
1: yes i believe i know what you are saying
0: and we we found out some some more good news today because uh we are going to be if you remember last year we did uh a we we took part in a uh dramatic recreation of a christmas carol um and this year we are going to be doing uh it's a Wonderful Life. Not the whole thing. As the, the third act. and uh, uh, It's
1: a wonderful something.
0: It'll be It's a Very Blunderful Life. <laughs> uh, our buddy Goobs will be the narrator. Uh, so it's going to be the same cast of characters from last year uh, as far as, you know, people doing voices and whatnot. And uh, I have a very special role that I'm very excited about. I will be uh, the bridge uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it'll be fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait. For and
1: I will be there too. Also,
0: we don't know who you're going to be yet.
1: No, I don't uh, know. Uh,
0: we know a couple of people. We know who, because uh, uh, as far as I know, only uh, myself and Goobs have roles. Uh, so I'm very excited. Um, it's going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be Last so year was ridiculous. A
1: riot. I drank too much. Um well really I was just I was just you committed just getting, to my character. You were the ghost of Christmas presents. I was I was ghost of Christmas past.
0: Past. Christmas presents.
1: I like Christmas presents.
0: <laughs> I like presents anytime. <laughs> uh but yeah, like that we're recording that in a couple of weeks and uh, I'm very Oh my excited. god,
1: it is a couple of weeks, isn't it? It's like three weeks. Jesus <clears throat> Christ. Right. Yeah, but you know what that means? Where is the time gone? We record what that day is we it? record that in Who like three weeks. I?
0: And then like the year's over a few weeks after that. Twenty twenty is no more. Like
1: I just I just I hope you realize that the the changing of the date really doesn't mean anything.
0: Right, but it won't be twenty twenty anymore. Like We were talking about this on the We said that about
1: 2019.
0: Yeah, but... But, like,
1: things couldn't get any worse. And
0: that's why things got worse. In the past week, we have lost Alex Trebek, Sean Connery, and uh, as far as Boston sports go, uh, we did a tribute last week on the Loudest Sports Show to Travis Roy, who is a huge part of the uh, Boston hockey community and a huge huge advocate of uh uh, helping disabled folks uh live better lives by helping get them uh, raising money to get them you know various uh uh devices and equipment to help them uh you know just get around you know whether it was you know um you know wheelchairs or you know special vans to transport you know family members uh with you know with uh, uh various disabilities You know, all kinds of different things, you know, similar to like what uh, the adaptive um, the adaptive uh, uh, controllers that Microsoft makes for their Xboxes uh, for folks with various uh, disabilities. Uh, Travis Roy was a guy, if you were unfamiliar with him, he was a, uh, a Boston University hockey player who learned to skate when he was 20 months old and all he ever wanted to do was play in the NHL. And 11 seconds into his first shift, he got checked, and he hit the boards awkwardly, and he uh, fractured his fourth vertebra and was uh, paralyzed. And so he used his disability and his notoriety. Uh, He was actually signed to a one-day contract by the Bruins. Mm -hmm. You know, he was a very big part of the Bruins culture for for many, many years. Uh, BU retired his number. Um because of his philanthropic efforts, and we talked about that last week. And this week uh, on Tomorrow Show, we have a, a dedication to uh, another Boston sports legend, uh, Tommy Heinsohn, who was drafted by the Celtics in 1956 and never stopped working for them. He is the only, uh, only person who is a part of the team in some capacity or another, you know, but an official capacity, be it a player, a coach, or a broadcaster, for all 21 of their championship uh, appearances and all 17 of their championships. That guy was a Celtic until he passed away, and he's still going to be a Celtic. He has his number retired by both the Celtics and uh, by Holy Cross, where he played. He was drafted in the same draft as Bill Russell, got rookie of the year over bill russell uh to give you an idea of just how good this guy was uh and he was the voice of the Celtics for 30 plus years uh he coached them to two championships he won eight eight championships as a player including seven straight at one point uh yeah it was it was awesome um but you know we lost him last uh, Earlier this week, Tuesday, when we recorded the Loudest Sports Show. Uh, so it was kind of fresh in our minds. We, we all talked about different stuff that uh, happened with Tommy. So, uh, yeah. So hopefully next week we don't have to talk about anything like that. We can just focus on talking about how bad the Patriots are playing. So that's... Well,
1: speaking of next week, what are we doing on Throwdown Thursday?
0: Oh, my goodness. So the other day... I got an email from someone, and they asked if I would be interested in talking about a documentary. And the documentary, uh, I saw this, and it was called The Orange Years. And, of course, the first thing that leapt to mind was...
1: (laughs) The current political climate? Yes.
0: And I was like, oh, God, I don't want to talk about that. But I opened the email anyways, and I looked at it, and... It is a documentary on Nickelodeon and how it came to be and how it came Kinda to... like the,
1: the golden years or the, the, the orange years the of The orange years
0: of Nickelodeon, like how it became, how it went from like this rinky-dink little operation to this massive thing that affected you know, all of our childhoods.
1: Back when Nickelodeon was good. Oh. Back when Nickelodeon Studios was like colorful and fun, and
0: there was goop and glop and slide everywhere. You could do that on television. Oh and, my oh. God.
1: Alyssa, uh, Alanis Morissette was on that show. Yes.
0: Yes. Not Alyssa Milano. No,
1: not Alyssa. Not Rob
0: Lowe and, and, and Ray Liotta.
1: You know what? I'm trying here, okay?
0: <laughs> um, but yes, um, we're going to be talking about that next week. And I'm super excited because uh, we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking with the directors. Um. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a great episode. I'm really looking forward to it.
1: It'll be great to not only get some insight, but kind of relive some of that. That, you know, the time that maybe we've you know maybe some shows that we have forgotten about or. You know, some characters that we haven't thought of Mm -hmm. in decades at this point.
0: So we're uh, saving—normally we'd have a battle this week, but we're saving it for next week because we want to do it all Nickelodeon-themed.
1: Nick, 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 Nickelodeon.
0: You know, it's funny. My parents never wanted me to watch The Simpsons and, like, forbade me to watch The Simpsons. But if they had ever seen, like, ten seconds of Ren and Stimpy— I'd probably never you get to w- probably never get to watch TV ever again. <laughs> at it's that log. Point.
1: It's log. It's big. It's heavy. It's wood. It's log. It's log. It's better than bad. It's good. Log. Powder. Powder. Toast From man. From Blamo.
0: Powder. Toast man who flew backwards. Powdered oh yeah.
1: Toast man. Rocco's
0: Modern life.
1: Muddy mudskipper.
0: Doug so much happy
1: happy joy joy happy happy joy, oh that's joy, definitely gonna be a happy, song happy, joy, we play. Joy, happy happy joy joy happy happy joy joy happy happy joy joy happy happy joy 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 do,
0: do, do, do. all right so yeah that's what we're doing next week we're gonna I'm be excited talk, this is gonna be a great yeah, episode yeah nickelodeon's gonna be uh, a great thing to cover i don't we've really not discussed much about nickelodeon other than when we had uh mike price and he d- talked about being the writer for Ah, Real Monsters. Ah,
1: Real Monsters, another really great show.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was actually just talking to uh, our friend Crystal Carnage about that the other day. But, uh, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing next week. We're very, very excited.
1: Um, We hope you're excited, too. Yeah, because I'm sure
0: you folks listening are familiar with something Nickelodeon-
1: I have some really weird, random memories of Nickelodeon. I'm going to save I it for next well. week's yeah. episode. It's like some a good really idea. random songs that I remember.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Brace yourself, kids. Oh, There's going to be singing.
0: Winter is coming. But uh, with that being said, we, we will, will see, see you next, next Thursday. Thursday. <laughs>